I knew that it, it was all about me. Every person that came down the sidewalk, everything that happened to me in my life, immediately my thought was, how is this going to affect me? How does how do I get benefit out of this? And uh, just a little con artist, a little manipulator, and totally self-absorbed, and, and maybe by necessity, uh, as a lot of street urchins are. Welcome, my friends, to The Storyteller, where you'll find First Nations people from across Native North America who are following Jesus Christ without reservation. On today's program, we'll continue the story of a Mescalero Apache boy who was abandoned at birth on the streets of Albuquerque, taken in by a fortune teller, and then eventually placed in a home for homeless and delinquent boys. I know this story very well because I was that little fatherless boy, but I didn't stay that way for long. Of course, it didn't take long at the boy's home where I grew up. I I was eager. I had always been eager and wondering about God. I remember one of my earliest memories is at the ranch one Saturday afternoon. We had a little time to ourselves, and I wandered over to a little lake that was on, on the ranch property, and I nestled down into the uh, cattails that are growing up at the edges of this lake, and I nestled down into them, was lying on my back, looking up at the sky and the clouds that were drifting by in the in the uh, beautiful blue sky. And I remember this very clearly, this wondering in my mind, who am I? Where, where do I belong? What significance do I have? Is there any purpose? Who Who made this world? And God, if you're there, do, do I matter to you? What is my place? Is there any, uh, you know, I don't know mom and dad. I don't know a background and so on. And, and I remember early on wondering a, a whole lot about my place in the world and, and, uh, if there was any significance to my life or is I just kind of drifting along here like a, uh, a twig on the, sitting on the, on the waves of the ocean and, and no significance and no background, no, no future. Uh, I remember having these thoughts and wondering. And it was about that time that I began to be involved in some of the Bible classes at the boys' home. They they were non-denominational. They didn't talk to us about church or about church rituals so much as just taught us from that old book. And we read these wonderful stories of of uh, this man, a man named Jesus, who loved people and helped people and cared about people and and came to bring us into the family of God. And that was... That was what I desired more than anything. I had no connection. The woman that had taken me, Princess Babe Hawk, since I came to the ranch, I was about eight or nine now. She had been killed in a car accident when I was eight and a few months before, and I was uh, totally alone as far as I knew. And I had that longing for connection, and that was part of what God used to draw me to himself, uh, his love for me, and that I would become a child of God. You know, if you don't have a father... Uh, you can't do much better than the God of the universe uh, becoming your father and inviting you into his family. So uh, on a certain day, I remember the incident, not the exact date, but I was listening to a Bible study. I was about eight or nine years old, and the chaplain was using the old flannel graph board, and he had a picture of a heart with a door in it, and Jesus was knocking at the door, and he made a big point that there's no door handle on the door. There, Jesus couldn't open the door from the door handle, it could only be opened from the inside. I saw the picture beautifully. I understood that God loved me, 
But there was a problem of selfishness in my own life. I, I had felt the sting of selfishness. I knew what it was. I, I hadn't done any terrible crimes or I hadn't done any terrible sins that I knew of, but I knew I was trapped behind walls of, of selfishness. I, I uh, had evaluated everything that came in my life, even as a young street urchin. I knew that it, it was all about me. Every person that came down the sidewalk, everything that happened to me in my life, immediately my thought was, how is this going to affect me? How does how do I get benefit out of this? And uh, just a little con artist, a little manipulator, and totally self-absorbed, and, and maybe by necessity, uh, as a lot of street urchins are. But that's the way I had learned to think and exist. But I, 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 re- I recall remembering how those same wall that I had drawn up around myself to keep other people out, protect me from hurt and from other people, that same wall was trapping me inside. And I was aware of that selfishness. I was aware of that self-absorption. And I, and I felt guilty about it. And I knew it was wrong. There were other kids and so on that I cared about around me, but I, I was unable to really think and care about them. I was so absorbed in my own self. And so I understood that that's, that was what sin was about. And uh, then I knew that, that too, that God had made a provision to forgive me of my selfishness, my sin, and not only forgive me, but to free me from it and to change my life and give me freedom and joy uh, in a relationship and the security of a relationship with the Creator. And that's exactly what I had been wanting already. And so I asked the uh, the chaplain that day, I remember afterwards telling him, I, I want to have Jesus in my heart. I want him to come in. And he took me back to his office, and we knelt there over chairs. And I said a little prayer like a little eight-year-old boy or nine-year-old boy would say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on that cross for me. And uh, right now I give you my heart and my life. I invite you to be my Savior, to be my Lord. And uh, I, w- I want to become a child of God. I want to come into your family and take control of my life. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. And, of course, it wasn't that sophisticated. It was a simple, childlike prayer. But I believed with all of my heart that Jesus answered the prayer. Because uh, in that promise that he had used in the Bible study, Jesus said, If any man opens the door, I'm knocking at the door of your heart. If any man opens that door, he said, I will come in. He didn't say if you're lucky, if you're smart, if you're handsome, uh, if you have two parents and an intact family, uh, if you're good. He didn't put conditions except that if you hear his voice and open the door, Jesus said, I will come in. So my faith, my little eight-year-old faith, reached out and touched that promise. And I believed with all my heart that Jesus had come into my life, that I had become a new person in Christ, that my sins were forgiven. And I just began to walk that out. And uh, I, I remember that first day, the first thing when I got off my knees, I guess I may have had one of the most first unselfish thoughts I'd ever had. I remember thinking of my best friend. His name was Curtis Lout. And I remember thinking, man, I got to go tell Curtis about this. This is great. And Renton told him he was another eight or nine year old boy there that I befriended. And, and Curtis later on also prayed that same prayer and invited Christ into his heart. So it began uh, a time of, uh, it was just from the beginning. I began to see myself set free to think of others and to care about others. And, uh, that has been just the, the single most uh, powerful transformation in my life is that God gave me the ability to care about others and to be mindful of others 
And of course, that was no better training ground than this boy's home filled with boys coming from broken homes and difficult situations, abandonment and abuses of many different kinds. And it grew to be 400 boys in the 12 years I lived there. And all of that time I was able to be there knowing about the Lord and growing in the Lord and sharing his love with others and uh, helping to lead other boys and influence others to come and give their lives to Christ. Also, when I was that, that same year that I gave my life to Christ, they started a Bible memory program at the ranch where we memorized about 250 to 300 verses every year. And I was in that for, for 10 years. And, uh, the next 10 years of my life memorizing hundreds and hundreds of scriptures. Uh, I, I was doing it kind of as fun as, as a boy and winning prizes by the memorization. But those same passages began to develop in me a, a Bible-centered, God-centered worldview. I began to understand and see the world uh, as God defines it and describes it and the truths about myself and about others and and the purpose of our lives here. And that, that really had a transforming effect on my life as well. So when I graduated 12 years later from that boy's home, uh, on the very same day I went to Boys Ranch, I graduated and I, they drove me out of those gates for the last time in 40 miles away to the nearest city, the nearest town, and uh, shook my hand, said, Soapy's been nice having you, with me and my two suitcases. And from, from there, I was on my own. I uh, began to live, got an apartment, got a job, started going to college, and so on. And, and just, be, again, got into a church, began to love young people and work with young people. And, and God, again, was so faithful to continue to use me and give me a great joy, just loving others and serving others. And giving myself away and growing, continuing to grow in the Lord and have him teach me more and more things about how I should live and how to find joy, true joy and contentment uh, in in the Lord. So uh, I, I finished college. I have a degree in mathematics. I uh, went on later and have a, advanced degrees in theology and Bible. But then I met my sweet wife. Suzanne and I were married in 1972 and came on staff with a mission agency uh, serving around the world. And uh, we've been with that agency now for 40 years, serving and sharing Christ, sharing his love around the world. 35 different countries we've been able to travel and share God's love. And it's just been an astounding thing for me to see what God would do with a a little Native American boy with no family, no background, no parentage, no no really visible means of support, as they would say, Uh, no, no past and kind of no future. And yet God came in and changed everything. And I, I, it's such a wonderful delight. And uh, through all the different phases, through all the different seasons of life now, from childhood through adulthood, I've seen that the God of the Bible is faithful. He is real. He explains our lives like no other. The Bible explains the truth about our lives like no other worldview does. And it, it helps us to understand ourselves and others and our purpose in the world. It's, it's just a, a joy and a delight beyond uh, my comprehension. And I often think back of that little boy nestled down in the reeds and the cattails down by that little lake, looking up at the sky. I can still think of that and how I was searching for a place to belong, a place of service and significance and meaning. And I found all of that by being adopted into God's family through uh, the person and the work of Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior. Maybe you're searching for that same significance. Maybe you're searching for meaning and purpose or forgiveness or cleansing. Uh, maybe you're, there's some fear and regrets in your life about things that you've done 
in your life in your past or maybe some fear of consequences either in this life or in the future, fear of death and other ways. There's so many ways that God calls us to himself. And so if you're sensing any of those or in any other ways God is calling to your heart, wherever you find yourself right now in your thoughts about God and about life, if it is your desire to experience that relationship with God, to be adopted into the family of God and to receive by faith the salvation and the new life that God offers to us in Jesus the Messiah, I want to encourage you to just make it your prayer to the Lord. It's not the words that count. We don't have to have beautiful words. It's the attitude of our hearts. Jesus said, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. So I want to encourage you to just open that door right where you are tonight, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever situation you're in, open that door and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. In other words, Lord, I'm trusting in you. I'm trusting in who you are that you are indeed that long-promised, long-awaited Savior, Redeemer, that God throughout the Bible promised He was going to send. So I'm trusting in who you are, that you are the Messiah, and what you accomplished on my behalf. You lived that perfect life of faith and trust and obedience to the Father. You successfully walked the perfect life of a man of faith, trusting and obeying God. And then He who knew no sin became sin for us. You took my sin upon Yourself. Thank you for dying on that cross, taking my sin so that I can be forgiven and rising again so that you can live in my heart and not only forgive my sin, but take that sin out of my life. Give me victory over those selfish impulses that dominate me in so many ways. If you invite Christ into your life and trust him, he will come in. He promised he would do so and he would not lie to you. He came for that very purpose. And when you invite him into your life, you too will become a new man. If you have any questions or comments, our phone number is 877-766-4648. You can also find us online at withoutreservation.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, the greatest story took place at the cross. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is a little more to my story, so be sure to join us again next time as we listen to The Storyteller.